0: Chapter 3. Drained Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only 36.9% of those suffering receive treatment. Anxiety and Depression Association of America Sometimes, Peter just got tired. Everywhere he went, there were too many voices. They echoed and bounced and popped off the walls and pierced through him like shards of glass. And no matter how hard he tried to cage the thoughts, his mind wouldn't stop screaming that they were all talking about him. Even when he caught clear snippets of conversations that obviously had nothing to do with the nerdy kids slipping past, his mind twisted the phrases, bastardized the words until they morphed into something they weren't. It was exhausting, fighting a never-ending battle within himself. He'd been running nonstop all week, He'd had to go to dinner with May's boss the night before, and had a group project for all of Fifth Period. By the time he got to decathlon practice, he could feel himself splintering. His edges were peeling apart like the joints on a plastic toy. Every word, every interaction, made the fissures grow. Every fiber of Peter's being had wanted to sprint out of the school when MJ dismissed them. The only thing that stopped him was the niggling thought that his eagerness to escape would draw attention to himself. And then people would stare, and that was the worst because he hated it when people stared. When he stepped outside the school and saw the expensive Audi waiting on the curb, his heart sank. Oh god, I have to face Tony. Usually, his nerves made him sputter ridiculously whenever Happy picked him up. Today, however, Peter felt too drained to speak. He coughed and jerked his way through a stunted greeting before spending the rest of the drive buried in his phone screen, trying to forget. By the time he got to the tower, his hands were shaking. There was a glowing, persistent pang of shit, 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 run, 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 in his chest that flared with every thought. He didn't want to do this. But he couldn't just cancel on Mr. Stark. He knew. He'd seen Peter crumble at the party, and he knew... Peter needed to convince him that it wasn't something for him to worry about. He needed to convince him that he was fine. At least, he told himself that. Peter tried to ignore the part of him that remembered his mentor's gentle hands and guiding words. Tried to ignore the part of him that wanted to tell Mr. Stark that he was definitely, undeniably, 100% not fine. But Peter had gone a lifetime handling this by himself. He didn't need to run to Mr. Stark with his tail between his legs. He had it covered. When Happy pulled into the tower's garage and Peter reached for the car's door handle, his trembling fingers missed. His fists made solid enough contact with the paneling for the noise to echo around the car, and he felt his entire body freeze. Shit, shit, shit. Happy heard shit, shit, shit. You okay, kid? No, 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 no. I can't do this right now. Y-yeah, I'm, um, I'm fine. Bye, Hap. Hap? You called him Hap? Why did you call him Hap? Stupid, stupid, stupid! He got the door open on the second try, and scrambled into the private elevator in a rush that no doubt made him look like a massive fucking idiot. Friday didn't greet him like she usually did, which was odd. Instead... The elevator brought him directly to Mr. Stark's lab and opened without a single verbal appearance from the AI. Maybe she hates me too. God, you're such a fuck-up that you managed to scare away an artificial intelligence, Parker. Great job. The teenager scanned his fingerprint against the access panel and slid silently into the lab. Maybe if he was lucky, Mr. Stark would be so engrossed in a project that he wouldn't even notice he was there. Unfortunately, the man wasn't even working. He was just sitting on one of the couches, watching Peter bumble his way into the room, with his legs crossed casually across a coffee table. Hey, kid. This was the first time Peter had seen Mr. Stark since the party, and he felt shame burn up his face. His mentor had put him to bed like a baby. He'd stayed with him through the night, too. Peter knew, because when he'd woken up, the man had been fast asleep in a chair set up at his bedside. The teenager had left in a rush, "'stumbling onto the New York streets "'before his mentor was even awake. "'I can't believe you did that. "'I can't believe you did that. "'I can't believe you did that! "'Hi, Mr. Stark.' "'He was so fucking tired. "'He felt like a shell, "'so pathetic and so exhausted "'that even the anxiety was starting to evade him. "'All he wanted to do was curl up in some faraway place, "'somewhere blessedly quiet and blessedly alone.' Come here, kid. I want to talk to you. Peter tripped a little on his way to the couch. When he sat down, he felt relief rush through him. It was easier to be inconspicuous when he was sitting. Tony looked him up and down before probing gently. How was your day? Oh, uh, it was good. Yeah, good. What was he supposed to do with his hands? With his legs? Mr. Stark looked so casual, like he'd taken a class in how to sit in a way that was simultaneously poised yet relaxed. He clenched his hands into fists before rapidly releasing them, praying that his mentor hadn't noticed the nervous twitch. He must have, though, because the man sighed as he rubbed a stressed hand down his face. You don't have to be afraid of me, Peter. The words slipped out before he could stop them. I'm afraid of everyone. Shit! He hadn't meant to say that. His mentor looked sad. It was Peter's fault. Your fault, your fault, your fault! I know. Tony seemed to pick his next words carefully. I need you to be honest with me, all right? Can you... Can you do that? Peter nodded, although the gesture was admittedly tentative. Honesty meant dropping barriers. If he did that, people saw. He hated it when people saw. After everything Mr. Stark had done for him, though... He could at least try. Do you disassociate a lot? The teenager thought back to the party with a wince. Not like that. Okay. Mr. Stark cocked his head, forehead creased in thought. So, parties are going to be a thing we avoid for a while. That's fine. What else really overwhelms you? He wanted to know, so Peter wouldn't embarrass him again. That was fair. Uh, crowds, lots of people looking at me. They're all talking about you. They all hate you. Your shirt is untucked and your jeans are frayed and they hate you. We can work on that. Tony tapped erratically at his knee. Do you ramble because you're anxious? Yeah, I I just talk and talk and talk and I sound so stupid, but I can't shut it off because the more anxious I get, the more I talk and the more I talk, the more anxious I get and I just can't... All right, kid. It's all right. Tony reached forward and gave Peter's shoulder a little squeeze. I have an idea. Peter blinked. What is it? Pepper's coming over for dinner tonight. You've met her a few times, right? At Peter's shaky nod, Tony smiled. She's nice. I want you to eat with us. No. No. Peter couldn't eat in front of someone. Eating was the worst. He hated eating in front of people. But... But Mr. Stark had such a hopeful look in his eyes, and Peter didn't want to disappoint him. Not again. Okay. His mentor gave him a bright smile. It'll be good. Pep and I will carry most of the conversation. You just top in when you want. Y Yeah. Everything's going to be fine, Peter. We're going to manage this, okay? We'll learn together. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do this alone. He hoped that Mr. Stark was right. Pepper was everything Peter could never be. She had an air of gentle confidence about her. There was always an edge to the way she moved, but she never felt callous or harsh. Beneath her professional exterior, she was kinder than anyone Peter had ever met. Her eyes always softened when she watched Tony and Peter together, as if she was seeing something no one else could. She was just so strong. It was like she knew exactly who she was, like her thoughts didn't play tricks with her like she had never looked at another person and felt afraid. At the beginning of dinner, Pepper asked him about school, ignored the way his voice shook a little when he answered, and then redirected the conversation to Tony. Once in a while, one of the two adults would ask his opinion or aim a simple question his way, but otherwise they let him sit quietly and stare at his plate. Tony had ordered fried rice from Peter's favorite takeout place. Peter tried to eat enough that he wouldn't seem rude, but he couldn't help the way every bite sent a thrum of tense panic through him. What if he held the fork wrong? What if his chewing brought their attention back to him? What if he choked and had to cough? Somewhere near the end of the meal, when Peter's exhaustion was starting to creep up on him, his hand slipped. The side of his wrist caught his plate and spilled the rice all over his lap. The plate slid off the side and shattered onto the floor. Peter felt a brief zing of pain as one of the shards flew up and pricked his arm but he was too busy feeling every ounce of his bottled-up terror and shame spill into his chest to care. The world blurred, and when he phased back in, the room had devolved into frantic movement. Tony was kneeling in front of him, asking if he was all right, and Pepper was rushing into the kitchen to get a dustpan. Peter didn't move. He was frozen in place. Static raced through his hands, and he could feel the blood rush to his cheeks as he blushed. To his horror, he realized he was crying. "'Easy, kid. It's no big deal.' Tony was moving his hands away from his lap and brushing the rice off of his jeans. Still, the teenager didn't even twitch. "'I, uh, it'll probably be easier if you stand up, all right?' Tony pulled Peter to his feet and gently turned to Pepper, who was cleaning up the mess Peter had made because you're so stupid, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, and murmured quickly. "'I'm just gonna take him.' "'Go,' she ordered.' waving a hand dismissively. "'I've got this.' They ended up in the workshop, sitting on the same couch they'd occupied just a few hours before. Peter was hiccuping violently now, shaking from both his sobs and the embarrassment. He wanted nothing more than to sink into the soft cushions and never see another living person again. Sony, however, had a different idea. He disappeared for a moment and returned with the first aid kit. He sat next to Peter and took his arm in surprisingly tender hands. The cut from the shard wasn't bad, but it had smeared a fan of watery blood all over the inside of the teenager's forearm. Tony cleaned the drying blood away and sprayed some antiseptic on the tiny wound. When he finished, he tucked the teenager's appendage back against his side and regarded him silently for a few breaths. You want to tell me what our little breakdown is about? Uh. I'm so sorry, Mr. Stark. I'm such a fuck-up. I broke your plate and- Whoa, kid. No need to apologize about that. Accidents happen. I'm more concerned about why it made you go all waterworks on me. It's just too much. What is? Tony's voice was so steady, so dependable. Peter wanted to fall into it and let it smother all his thoughts until the world sang with silence. S- sometimes I just... There, there's too many p- people and everything gets so loud and it's t- tiring and I can b- barely even function. And All I f- want is it for it to f- fucking stop. His mentor paused for a moment. By loud, do you mean in your head? Y- yes... Too many people just... They're just... Drain you? Yeah. So it's been a bad week, huh? Yeah. Tony sighed heavily. (sighs) Listen, kid. I'm... I'm not good at this shit, alright? I'm probably the last person on Earth who should be helping you. But for reasons I don't understand, this is where we're at. So just... I'm going to try, all right? But but you've got to tell me when it's a bad day. I wouldn't have made you do that dinner if I'd known you were feeling so shitty. Communication is going to be super important in this. You got that? You embarrassed him. He's embarrassed embarrassed of you. Okay. If you ever start to feel this bad again, you call me. I'm not joking, Parker. You call me and we'll do something to fix it. Okay. And you know what? We'll start even smaller. You said you're afraid of me, right? Why did you say that? Shit, shit, shit. It-it-doesn't mean I-don't-like-you, Mr. Stark, I just- Whoa, kiddo. I'm not worried about that. So you're scared of me, that's fine. Do I scare you less than, say, Pepper? Or someone you don't know? Yes. Perfect! The billionaire clapped his hands together and shot Peter a cheerful smile that felt grossly inappropriate, yet oddly reassuring. Then we'll work on handling your anxiety with me first. How? I've got some ideas. Right now, however, we're going to start with you getting some sleep. Something tells me you're done for tonight. Tony pulled Peter off the couch and herded him towards the elevator. So, and I can't believe I'm saying this to you right now, Go to your room, young man. Peter giggled. He could feel something hot and slippery uncoil in his chest. Yes, sir. Tony ruffled his hair as he gave the kid a gentle shove into the elevator. Meet me down here when you wake up, kiddo. Sleep tight. The doors closed, and Peter leaned heavily against the wall. You don't have to do this alone. Welcome to Anxiety Club with Tony Stark. Anxiety club? There's two of us now, so it's a club. Peter smiled. Something about Tony's nonchalant goofiness helped him relax. Sure. They were sitting on the floor in a corner of a lab. Tony had tossed a collection of blankets and pillows down to make it a little more comfortable. When Peter had asked why they didn't just sit on the couch, Tony had told him that they needed a more collaborative environment and refused to elaborate. The billionaire shot him a wink. On the roster today, eating snacks, talking about our feelings, and learning our very first coping strategies. Peter blinked. You? Talking about your feelings? Look at you! Tony lobbed a pillow at Peter. The teenager whacked it aside effortlessly. You insulted me. That's good. We're already making progress. Did a good night's sleep help any? Oh, uh, yeah. Peter fiddled with the tassel on one of the pillows. I guess... Good. Tony pulled a bag of chips from the nest of blankets and tossed them into Peter's lap. Eat. Why? We're trying to make progress, right? Eating in front of me is our exposure exercise for the day. Plus, you barely ate anything last night. So, food. As soon as Peter swallowed his first mouthful of chips, Tony took a deep breath. Peter saw a flash of discomfort settle over his face before he wiped it away. So feelings let's talk about them like what tell me about people what scares you i guess i just i always think they're judging me that they secretly hate me and i know it's dumb and ridiculous but i just feel like i'm stuck in the cycle in the end those thoughts are always there i can't outrun them Tony paused, schooling his expression into a surprisingly passive facade, considering the hint of desperation lingering behind his next words. Is that what scares you about me? You think that I'm judging you? That I hate you? Peter met his mentor's eyes with a shaky breath. Yes. The man cursed, grinding his knuckles into the floor. I know I'm not the most... open person in the world, kiddo, but... But I swear, I don't hate you. Not even a tiny bit. From Tony Stark, that was practically a love letter. Thanks. Tony shifted uncomfortably. He stated his next words with practice caution. I think we need to tell Aunt May. No. Peter, I... I can't, Mr. Stark. I just... I don't want her to think I'm... Peter paused, wondering if he should voice his next words or not. "'I don't want her to think I'm broken. "'You're not broken, Peter.' "'The intensity in Tony's voice made Peter's breath still in his lungs. "'I don't want you to ever say that again. "'Now repeat after me. "'I am not broken.' "'I'm not broken,' the teenager whispered, "'longing desperately for the phrase to feel true. "'Just keep saying it until you believe it, kiddo.' "'There was an awkward silence when Mr. Stark gathered his thoughts.' So, uh, what do you do now? When you have a panic attack, I mean. Wait it out? Yeah, bad plan. The billionaire held up two fingers. Focus on two things. What? When you're about to have a panic attack, focus on two things besides being afraid. Your brain can't focus on more than two things at once. At least, not fully. It'll help knock it out before it can even start. Is that what you do? Peter hadn't meant to ask. He felt a pang of guilt and shame as he saw his mentor's jaw tense. Then the man forced his expression into an easy smile. Yeah, kiddo. That's what I do. Peter stared at his lap for a minute, a question gnawing at his stomach. Tony waited patiently, obviously aware of the teenager's inner turmoil. Finally, he spoke. The words were slow, as if he was preparing to yank them back inside his mouth at any moment. Do you ever stop being so afraid all the time? It gets better. But does it ever stop? Peter stared desperately at his mentor, yearning for the man to give him a light to shoot for, to give him a promise of silence. But all he saw in the man's eyes was sadness. If it ever does... I'll let you know.